everybody welcome back to the upside swings draft podcast the podcast the highest ceiling uh off to a shaky start on this one uh some technical difficulties but uh we are back uh i'm your host bryce Hendricks, joined as always by the great stone hansen and uh bringing in the next in our series of guests bryce simon uh one of the hosts of the motor city hoops podcast at motor city hoops on twitter one of the best guys out there former d1 basketball player bryce how you doing I'm good, guys. I really appreciate you having me on. I've been looking forward to this uh, since you brought it up. We, we talked about this. I think it was a while ago, Bryce. Um, I kind of reached out like, hey, I'd love to be a part of this or whatever. You know, this is the first time Stone and I have really met, you know, face to face, I guess, you know, um, but we've interacted on Twitter. So I really appreciate you guys having me. Yeah, of course. This is uh, this is exciting for us as well. This has been such a fun series. So blessed to get a to get a really meet so many cool people. We've had some excellent, excellent interviews with some great people. Um, and I love being on your guys's podcast. So couldn't wait to get you back on stone. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Um, I'm excited to finally meet the uh, other talented Bryce in the basketball Twitter sphere uh, and get his takes on the Pistons. So um, I know this is like probably their biggest draft ever. So I'm really uh excited and happy for them and, and uh, ready to hear their takes i will i will say bryce whenever you came on the motor city hoops which you did an awesome job and we'll definitely have you and maybe we can get you and stone back together but it, it was confusing at times i know for <laughs> vlad um, with both of us being bryce he was kind of nervous about that bryce squared yeah <laughs> I'll go by I when I first started writing, I wanted to go by BW. I don't know why it's kind of dumb, but maybe that's what I'll start doing. I'll start going by BW again. So <laughs> um, but anyways, we are we are here to talk about, in my opinion, the most exciting draft to talk about. And that's because of one man, uh, the best I mean, the best prospect since like Zion Williamson, I guess. So not that long ago, but a really incredible prospect, Cade Cunningham. Should could should will be a Detroit Piston here shortly um is this the first number one pick in uh Detroit Pistons history I believe so um I'm trying to think I know too they had they had the second overall pick once yeah that's what I think I'm thinking like a second and a third or something like that like I feel like this is only the third time that they've picked in the top three I know one of the things that's been talked about a lot was the Piston I believe this was the first time the Pistons have ever actually moved up in the lottery. Um, like you, so that was like, that was a huge thing. Like if you followed Pistons Twitter up to the draft lottery on the 22nd, everybody would have put their life that we were going to fall to number six, you know? So um, everybody felt like we finally got lucky for the first time. That's what's interesting. You know, when I came on your pod, we didn't talk about Kate at all. It was almost like a foregone conclusion. Like there's no way. There's well, no way Cade is coming here. So that was definitely part of it. So that, that was kind of twofold. One, we had talked about Cade, Mobley, and Green a lot. So I wanted to talk about some of the other guys. But because I knew how much people felt like we weren't going to end up with those guys. So we wanted to talk about the ones they truly thought we were going to end up with. The Kai Joneses, the James Book Knights, you know, those type of guys. So, Yeah, absolutely. It was definitely twofold. Um, but you know, the lottery gods have, have shined upon the Pistons. Um, it's crazy how much those ping pong balls changed the fate of franchises, of fan bases, um, but they have. Um, so I'm going to throw it to Stone first. You know, we did a whole thing on Cade, but Stone, do you just want to give us a quick little breakdown on, like, what makes Cade so special, why he's the far and away number one overall pick, and maybe sort of who was the last prospect who you would say was as good of a prospect as Cade? Oh man. Um, so yeah, Cade is Cade's great because with Cade, he's, he's so versatile. You can use him in so many different ways. Um, obviously he's a forward who's able to play as a point guard um, and, and is a good enough shooter to put him alongside a primary ball handler and, and put him as a shooting guard. So pretty much one through three, he's capable of playing a really high level and his game is moldable to whatever position really. Um, and the other thing about Kate is he really has no holes. Like that's something that I think gets overlooked a lot is like he's a really good defender, really good offensively with like no three level scorer. He's a great passer. Like there's not a whole lot to not like about Kate's game. 
the only, I guess, knock you could say on him is like lack of elite athleticism. But I mean, even then we've seen guys uh, really become such a, a massive factor without that. So I love Cade. There's, there's nothing I really see like that's concerning in any way about his game. Um, he's a great shooter. I think he shot like 40% this year. Um, what possible, like you could, there's a legitimate argument you can make for Cade being the best shooter in this class, which is wild because he's already the top prospect and so good at everything else. Um, so yeah, I mean, the Pistons are getting an absolute uh, franchise changer here who hopefully for, you know, the next decade or whatever will be uh, a guy who can get them really far. And as far as prospects who stack up to Cade, uh, I mean, that's a really tough question because for me personally, I saw Luca as like like the best prospect I've ever evaluated. So I, I wouldn't quite put him at that tier. Um, but yeah, I mean... He's not he's not that far off, honestly. Like uh, he's he's he is as close to being that sort of generational player as you can get without actually being that. So, I mean, Cade is going number one, I think, in a lot of draft classes. And uh, there's so much to like about his game. And he's so built. He He's a guy he can build really any sort of roster around. So all of these fit concerns and whatever that media is trying to push is you know, not really valid at all. So he's um, well worth the first pick. And uh, considering the guy who's going after him, I think it, it speaks volumes to how good Kate actually is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Bryce, I'm going to throw it to you. Yeah, We usually are asking guests, you know, what are holes? How can they be filled through the draft? But since we're, I feel like 95% sure who this number one guy is, do you want to like, like, what do you think, the Pistons roster around Cade looks like and and how do you think that team will fare uh, over this next season yeah so real quick you ask about the the Pistons have had a number one pick all the stats I was referencing was in the draft lottery so since 85 they've never been number one they were two they got Isaiah Thomas or sorry three what, what Darko was two or three and then Isaiah Thomas yeah. was the yeah. so what yeah. was Darko two Darko was two. Yeah. two so Isaiah Thomas would have been three yeah. Well, they had the third overall pick. They did have a number one pick before that. Um, so, but back to Cade, I think Cade, I think Stone hit on it where he like, he fills so many roles. So I feel like he fits with this team really well. One, he's going to allow Killian Hayes. He's going to take a little bit of pressure off Killian Hayes, handling the ball at times, being a playmaker. I think what I'm most excited about, and I'm interested to see what you guys think about this is I think he can be kind of a number one scoring option in that he can take and make big shots at the end of games in close games. Because I think if Jer I don't think Jeremy Grant, who had a breakout year for the Pistons, I don't think he's a true number one option in that he's going to make those tough shots, end of shot clock, end of the game, stuff like that. He might be the leading scorer, but I think Cade would be the closer, if that makes sense. So I think he allows Jeremy Grant to fit into a better role, which pushes Sadiq Bey to the number three scoring option. Um, so, and then I also, I'm interested to see him either run the second unit as well. You know, if him and Hayes play together, then you stagger the minutes and now Cade runs the second unit and makes those guys even better. Um, and then the defensive aspect, uh, I know Pistons fans are really excited about as well. Those, the, the length that we can put on the floor, especially at the guard spots. Yeah, for sure. That was that length is something we had talked about um, on your pod when we had talked about like Kai Jones and Jonathan Kaminga and even Moses Moody. Um, just that that's something that Detroit has always sort of valued. It just there's something about them that they're they're always this hard nosed defensive team. They're super long. Uh, the 2014 was like that. The you know the bad boys teams were like that. Um, different, but but that there's always that through line of really good defensive teams and. I think this is shaping up already to be a really solid defensive young core. Um, Killian Hayes didn't get a show it a lot last year. He looked like he was still maybe, maybe dealing with some hip issues. Um, but in Germany uh, or, Oh, excuse me, overseas, he was um, a really excellent, really like dog on ball defender uh, could, could fight his way around screens because he's so thick. Um, you know, Jeremy Grant is one of the best defenders in the league, in my opinion, super versatile, uh, can, can make rotations, can uh, 
play on ball. Uh, Isaiah Stewart is a really interesting bet um, as a defender. Um, still not 100% sure on my, uh, you know, Isaiah Stewart evaluation. Maybe you could convince me, Bryce. Um, you know, but I like Sadiq Bay defensively. Uh, they have a lot of really interesting defenders. And Cade, to me, is the type of guy who can be good enough on offense to be a top 15 offense on his own. So then if you have a really good defensive context around him, as well as some, you know, some solid cutter, some, you know, Killian Hayes can be an excellent secondary ball handler. There starts to be the makings of a really, really interesting young core, which is a term I think can be overused, but I think really fits here because Kate is really that level of prospect. He can boost this kind of jumbling of interesting pieces into a true core. Um, that That's how I see that at least. Yeah, that's what I just think. I, 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 in Detroit, we feel like there's a chance we can get to the play-in game. Like that's, I, I don't know, maybe we're over the top excited about it, but I think what it does is hopefully we show enough promise that when the Blake contract comes off the books, maybe we can be somewhat of a free agent, you know, destination, or we can package, see how these pieces all fit together. Maybe we package them to get, you know, Cade's you know Robin or whatever you know the, the the guy that plays second to him if it doesn't look like this is going to be the team that can grow into the contender that we want them to be yeah absolutely that's that's what's so important about a lot of these teams is that they you know these young cores look great but eventually the best of them are going to sell off some assets and and build with established guys um Stone how, how do you feel about I don't know I don't know exactly what your, you know, pre-draft Sadiq Bay and Isaiah Stewart takes were. I'm, I'm just guessing knowing you, you were pretty high on Killian Hayes. Um, so do you just want to give me like your thoughts on sort of that, that pre-K Pistons core and, and uh, how you think Cable juice that? Yeah. So um, I, I think I, I tried to learn as much as I can from each draft. I've been doing this for uh, a good amount of years now to where, you know, I have my philosophy down and I have guys I like, but I think with the draft, you're never really done learning. Like you, you're never going to perfect evaluations, but I think you can always get better at it. Um, and so a big takeaway for me was I was actually extremely low on Isaiah Stewart headed into the league. Um, and I'm still not sure, you know, he's like a starting center for the future, but um, obviously he's completely outplayed my uh, pre-draft evaluation of them. And so there's things I tried to take away from that. Uh, and with Isaiah Stewart, like the shooting um, flashes were there, but I personally didn't buy them. The motor thing was something um, I generally don't buy, but obviously plays a big factor in uh, Isaiah Stewart's productivity. Um, so there's things from each draft I think you could take away. And Isaiah Stewart was a big, um, w- one of the biggest guys in last year's draft where I was able to factor a lot of the misses I had in regards to his evaluation and, and apply that to future evaluations. Um, with Sadiq Bey, another guy who I was relatively low on, um, I think I had him like mid to late 20s last year, so not crazy low, but um, I did have con- some concerns about like hip flexibility defensively and how he can switch and things like that. Um, obviously became like one of the best shooters in the league almost uh, right off the bat, so um, that takes away a lot of concerns that he had defensively and defensively. He actually proved me wrong where he was able to uh, be a real factor for them and, and contribute in a lot of areas uh, on the perimeter. Even um, with Killian Hayes, you nailed it on the head. Obviously I was absurdly high on him. I had him in the same tier as LaMelo. Uh, I had LaMelo one a and Killian one B. So um, I was like, whoever gets the first or second pick, they're not complaining. Uh, and obviously Killian had sort of a rocky road to his start to his NBA career uh, with a lot of injuries, but I, I still remain relatively high on him. Uh, he's a guy who obviously flashed tons of IQ in, uh, overseas, um, really smart, heady player in terms of uh, always knowing where his teammates are on the court. Uh, his court awareness was something that was just like absurdly amazing to me, always knowing where his teammates are going to be um, and, and the the packages of passes he has, like uh, being able to make some of those one-handed skip passes and things like that are really insane. And um, especially considering his age, um, I think he was put in a role that was, he was asking too much of him early on. 
he was, I, I think I might've overthought how good he would, how good he was going to be and applied that too early to his career to where I think he probably needs, you know, a couple of years to develop and uh, acclimate to the speed of the league and things like that. Um, but I think having Cade now takes a lot of that pressure off of him and allows him to develop uh, at a lot better, almost faster pace because Cade is so um, can take so much of that pressure from him in terms of ball handling and, and creating plays for others. Uh, and I think to Bryce's point, um, Fiston's Bryce, we'll call him for the <laughs> sake of this episode. Um, I think to his point, the uh, uh, Jerry and Grant is, a great player, but no disrespect to him. I'm not sure you want Jerry and Grant as your number one scorer on a lot of like championship level teams. Right. But I think Cade can be that. I think Cade has the ability to be um, a guy who can be your leading scorer. Uh, but if you need him to be, you be your leading playmaker and, and point guard at times. Uh, so that versatility is really going to help the Pistons um, not only take pressure off of so many other guys uh, and their offensive burdens, um, and I already mentioned defensively how good he is, but uh, being able to sort of just run that offense in a way where uh, all these young guys can come along at their own pace and not worry too much about uh, having so much pressure on them. So I think Cade's going to really just um, jumpstart that franchise and, and work wonders for the young core they already have built. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I will say pivoting slightly from uh, all the all the positive talk um <laughs> there has been some rumors and this could all be smoke it really does seem like kate is symmetric at that number one but bryce do you think it is a a worst case scenario that either they don't pick kate or uh they trade out of this pick are there some scenarios there that make some sense to you or or how do you feel like like some of these rumors do you think there's there's any if there is validity do you think it's like a really bad thing that there's some validity there so whenever you gave me the outline for the pod and you i saw worst case scenario my first thing i put was we overthink Cade. like that's what i put excuse me as like the worst case scenario for this draft if as long as we draft Cade, like there's other things i want to see happen and i don't know if we'll get a chance to talk about it or not but if we if we don't draft Cade, i think that's not a great scenario um, this has been a big thing on Twitter. So I have to be careful as a Pistons fan. Cause I feel like when you say this, you kind of open yourself up to take some heat as a Pistons guy. I do. I don't think it's a hundred percent slam dunk that Troy Weaver takes Cade Cunningham. I do. Now I think he will. I think Cade's the choice. So I don't want anybody to take this the wrong way, but do I think there's a 2% chance that Troy Weaver sees something in Evan Mobley that nobody else does or sees a weakness in Cade Cunningham or something like that and decides he wants Evan Mobley, like it wouldn't completely shock me. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm just saying Troy Weaver is a guy that is supremely confident or seems to be supremely confident in his evaluation abilities. And so far he's been right. And so if he sees something in Evan Mobley or sees something in Jalen Green, I'm not saying I see this, but what if he sees Kobe Bryant and Jalen Green? You know, like, so, it, it, again, I don't think it's going to happen, but I do think there's a very, very, very small chance he could throw us a curveball. Yeah, I think I think that's super possible. Um, I didn't see Isaiah Stewart mocked anywhere at 16 last year. Um, you know, there are times he, he can be, I don't want to say predictable, but, like, everyone knew he liked Patrick Williams last year. That was sort of the open secret. And then Patrick Williams went all the way at four, um, which I think took a lot of people off guard. Um, but yeah, he's definitely Troy Weaver is definitely goes his own way. I think even in his time with Sam Presti, uh, Sam Presti's assistant GM or vice president of basketball operations, whatever the term he went by was um, even like a guy like Terrence Ferguson or uh I think he was there when Baisley was drafted. Like those guys went like slightly higher than they were slotted. Not well, way higher, but go ahead. The, say, supposedly he was the one that was all in on Russell Westbrook. Like that was, that was his thing, you know? And I mean, so I just, like you're saying, Bryce, like 
Troy Weaver is going to do what Troy Weaver does. And, and as a, I like that as a fan, I like a supremely confident GM, but you could be susceptible to making decisions that on the surface or initially don't look like the right one. Nobody liked the Pistons off season guys. Nope. Everybody thought we overpaid for Jeremy Grant. They thought it was stupid. We signed Josh Jackson, um, Sadiq Bay and Killian Hayes, or sorry, Sadiq Bay and Isaiah Stewart picks weren't highly regarded by most people. Um, and so far, for the most part, again, not everything, but he got it pretty right. Yeah. yeah. I, Go ahead, Stone. Oh, I was just going to say, we, we were actually, our last podcast, we were talking um, with Yosef from Thunder Film Room about the Thunder yeah. and Sam Presti. And uh, I, I think a lot of <laughs> what Sam Presti does also applies to Troy Reaver in certain aspects where um, Sam Presti is predictable in a lot of ways uh, in terms of he has certain, like you can predict the kind of guys Troy or uh, Sam Presti likes. And I think like even the past in the past, he's been sort of an open book as to who he wants and giving promises to certain guys. Like a lot of people figured out that he's probably taking Alexei Pokashevsky last year. Um, and I think Troy Reaver does a lot of that too, where you pretty much know which guy Troy Reaver is going to want. Um, but like Sam Presti, he's not willing to take those guys higher than most people would. Um, like, I don't think many people envisioned Pokashevsky going as high as he did last year, but it turned out to be, you know, the right pick uh, for the Thunder. Um, and I think with, with uh, Troy Reaver, there's that's a good thing for the most part but I think at number one you have to be really careful so number one is the one spot where you pick where you have to get it right right like if you're picking at 16 or 19 last year there's room for you know a little bit of miss here and there but at number one um if you take Evan Mobley and and uh and Cade turns out to be the guy that everybody thinks Cade is going to be it's a fireable offense. It's a, it's a fireable offense. Exactly. So I think there's, you have to be very careful and delicate in terms of how you apply that process and draft evaluation and philosophy to the draft and where you apply it. So, so real quick, Bryce, I'm sorry. Like I know we we're gone on this. I, what I worry about is someone like Troy Weaver is saying, I don't want this to sound the wrong way, but like if he thinks he's the smartest guy in the room, almost, seeing things in a prospect to prove that he's the smartest guy in the room. Does that make sense? Like I'm going to take Evan Mobley to prove to everybody that I see stuff in players that not everybody else sees because Cade's supposed to be the guy, but it's actually Mobley. You know what I mean? Like, and I don't even think you can do that on purpose, but I think sometimes you can almost fall into that because you want to show everybody has an ego in this, in, in this business. Like I'm a high school coach and I have an ego about, you know, my ability to understand basketball. So, you know, those guys do as well, but I think Troy Weaver is going to get it right. Yeah. And I'm inclined to agree with you. You know, like you said, we all have some sort of ego here, even, you know, I'm not even, I'm barely an AAU coach at this point And I do online scouting for no money and I have an ego, right? Like I, it's, how's it's, that how's that going by the way have you started practices and stuff yet sorry to just, get off a little no, off topic but you're good you're good i just uh i had my first um it was like an open gym thing and uh i had to do some runs and it was like 100 degree weather and uh that was interesting it was it was an interesting like like uh black top i can't shoot on the black top i don't know what's going on oh, i tried i tried to yam on like a 16 year old kid and then i felt <laughs> bad so <laughs> You know, it, you know, it, it went how it went, I suppose. But uh, after vacation, uh, I get to start really diving in. I think I get three a week, so three practices cool. a week in the tournament. So pretty excited. Awesome. Um, yeah. But yeah, you know, like you were saying, we all have an ego here. But the one place you have to humble yourself is is, is at the top. You know, like like last year, it, you know, Anthony Edwards at one over LaMelo Ball. I feel like most people have LaMelo Ball one, but there was some justification there. I think this year, you're really, really hard-pressed to... Because there are no holes in Kate's game. Um, even, you know, Stone even mentioned, like, maybe the one is that he's not an elite athlete, but even then, you know, is he really, like, a worse athlete than Jason Tatum? 
I wouldn't, I wouldn't say so. Um, he might even, because he's stronger, which is a part of athleticism, he might be a better athlete uh, in, in totality. It's just sort of, you know, where, where does that, where does that fall? But I, I definitely think I, Weaver could do that, but he just, he's smart enough that I think he will, he will just recognize Kate and, and there's also enough people who are going to tell him, you know, like every scout in that room and the owner probably as well is going to tell him like, Hey, like Kate is the guy. So I, you know, I would assume it's Kate here, but it, in that unlikely event, it, it'll be, it'll be a interesting, interesting moment for, for Pistons fans. Well, and I mean, I assume owners have some owners have like, I feel like Cade Cunningham's the biggest star in this draft, like the biggest name. Wouldn't you agree? So like in terms of selling jerseys, selling tickets, selling whatever, like I'm going to Vegas for summer league because I, I mean, I was going to go anyway, but I'm even more excited and other people have talked about it now because we want to see Cade. Honestly, if it was Mobley or green, I don't know that it would have the same, you know, if we were the number two or number three pick, and then we knew we were going to end up with Mobley or Green. I don't know that there'd be the same excitement around it. So I think just in terms of that, the owner may walk in and say, "Hey, we're we're taking Cade." Yeah, yeah. that's a, that's a good point. Um, I think selling tickets for for Detroit is probably a, a huge thing, honestly for for them. Uh, I think they've been pretty low in attendance the last few years. Uh, so being able to you know get some butts and seats could be definitely a factor for them. Um, but I wanted to ask you, is there, is there any trade? I know there's obviously it's going to be a lot of like uh, fan trades or whatever that people make up and, or even smoke screens, but like, um, is there any trades out there for number one that would make sense to you? Like I've heard the warriors like packaging Wiseman seven and 14 or whatever the case may be. Like, is there anything out there, that even makes you consider trading Kate or is it just a done deal? Like this is our star and we should keep him. Yeah. Like I tweeted this out the other day. Like, I just don't know who, like, yeah. Would you trade it for Luca? But the Mavs are obviously aren't doing that. Would you trade him for Trey? Would you trade it for Trey young? Probably. I mean, definitely because those guys are proven. Even if you think Kate is going to be better than, you know, Trey young maybe or something, but those aren't realistic trades. You know, those teams aren't doing that. Um, I saw the Warriors won seven, 14 and Wiseman, but at, at, to me, like you're not guaranteed a franchise guy out of that trade. If you could, if you could tell me that Wiseman is going to be a franchise guy, but I don't think he showed that in year one, I could be wrong. I didn't you know, see him play a bunch. And I know you guys have some guys you like at seven and you know that, but how do, we need a franchise guy. There's no, it's the missing piece for this team. Like there's no question. There's a few other things. Like we need shooting. I think we need a lob thread. I tweeted this at you the other day, Bryce, about needing a lob thread in the pick and roll situation. But priority one, two, three, four, and five, we need a franchise guy. As good as Sadiq Bey, Isaiah Stewart, even Killian showed flashes, Jeremy Grant. As solid a seasons as those guys had, we don't have a number one scoring option or a franchise alpha on the roster. And until we have that one, nothing is going to – like we're not going to – go anywhere we need that and if we can get that in Cade, then throw everything else out the window exactly yeah. i agree with this because uh, uh, one of my favorite teams is the magic and I, I was really pulling for the magic to to get number one actually uh outside of the pistons i think me and bryce actually both wanted the pistons to get one because i needed it the most um but the magic they have all the foundation laid yep. they have so many nice young guys but they don't have that star. And, and like you can have as great a foundation as you want, but without that star, you're just not going to go anywhere. And you, you're going to be on that uh, treadmill of mediocrity for however long. So you, I think you hit the nail on the head where you, you need to keep a star. Like if you have the opportunity to get a star, you keep that star unless you're getting another star back. Like there's no if, ands or buts about it for me because it's the hardest asset to acquire. Every every team out there is looking for that star or, or another star to add to whatever stars they may have. But if you have the opportunity to get one, you take it and you don't look back. Yeah, absolutely. And that's that's how every team should look at every draft, in my opinion. Um, but especially when you're at one, 
with a generational talent on the board. Um, but really quickly, you know, before before we get out of here, um, Stone, I just want to, you know, Bryce has mentioned, uh, you know, like a good rim runner. So actually, Bryce, I'll ask you first, like, what are some sort of secondary needs for this team? You mentioned shooting, you mentioned a good rim runner. What are some like, are there any other sort of little secondary needs that, that the team should be looking at with their three second round picks at 37, 42 and 52? They probably won't make all three, but they might make two. They might they might roster three rookies, one on a two way or something. So what are some of those those other needs you think they, they need filled outside of Cade? Yeah, so that's what my second worst case scenario, like the second thing I put for worst case scenario is we don't trade back into the first round. I want us to trade back into the first round, whether that's somehow packaging. I don't think somebody wants all three of those second round picks, but if you can package one or two of them and one of our players or something, I don't know how high we can get, but those are the two biggest things, guys, for me. Shooting was an issue. I Floor spacing was an issue, I felt like. Um for this team it's going to get better you know hopefully killing becomes a better shooter cage shoots it 40 percent, but especially in the second unit so we need to find a wing that can stretch the floor um, for the second unit and then i just i think we need to pair my favorite one of my favorite bigs in the league is daniel gafford so i would love a daniel gafford in detroit because i think he fits with Killian and now Cade off the ball screen and roll, lob threat, rim runner, block some shots. Because Isaiah Stewart, not a, necessarily a great shot blocker. He's not super tall, not really that above the rim guy. So those are the two things. Give me a knockdown shooter and a, a pick and roll threat, lob threat. And I would be really happy if we got those two things along with Cade. All right, yeah. so and I'll throw that to you then. Uh, I, I have a couple names in mind, but but uh, I'll throw it to you first. Like, who are some guys in the second round or, like you mentioned, trading back at the end of the first round uh, that you think sort of fill that, uh, that necessary, those necessary holes? Um, so if they could trade into the first round, uh, again, I'm not really sure what that would look like. Maybe sending Mason Plumley in a package yeah. of seconds or something like that. Uh, maybe they could sneak into the uh, first. And Isaiah Jackson fits a lot of that, in my opinion. Um, can be sort of the anchor of their defense almost uh, as that uh, elite shot blocker. Um, he doesn't really have a whole lot of offensive game yet, and, and I'm personally skeptical that it ever comes around. Uh, but when you have Cade and Killian throwing lobs to you as being um, you know, the vertical lob threat that he is, I don't think that's much of a concern for you. So uh, I think he fills that need quite well if they were to able to trade into the first. Um, there's always – Shooters is interesting. Uh, we kind of hit on it on our um, philosophy podcast where I personally don't value like elite specialty shooters as much as most people, especially due to the fact that you can usually get those guys in free agency for relatively cheap. Like you're always going to have um, the Wayne Ellingtons of the world that could come in and hit a couple threes for you when you need it. Uh, but if they do go that route, I think there, there are some viable options uh, in the second, whether it be like an Austin Reeves, a guy who can hit the uh, three, but also um, be a bit of a playmaker off the bench. Uh, maybe there's some overlap there with Saban Lee, but um, I think both guys can coexist with their, uh, especially Austin Reeves as an off-ball mover. Um, another guy I really like would be like Joe Wieskamp. I think he's someone who um, – really moves well off the ball, like one of the best off ball movers. And as far as shooting goes uh, in this class, in my opinion, uh, and a guy who I think uh, could even, you know, play alongside the, the first unit at times for stretches. Um, and then obviously Sam Hauser, another guy who's just an elite shooter uh, really can get a shot uh, from anywhere on the court uh, as long as he's open probably not creating for himself a whole lot, but like I said, with the other creators on that team, I don't think that's as big of a worry for you. So uh, those would be some names in the second I would consider. Uh, another guy I guess you can take or uh, put into consideration would be like Quentin Grimes, um, really strong athlete, uh, but also a really great shooter. We saw at the combine, he had back-to-back -back great games. I think in second game, he had like seven out of 12 threes or something. So um, I think those guys would probably be the names in consideration for me. Uh, but are there any guys uh, that either of the Bryce's, either of you guys like? So if they can't move up into the back into the first round, 
Um, I think there's one like late second round uh, big who, who's slowly risen on my board. He's had a good comp by performance, and that's Nemius Keita uh, from Utah State. Um, he reminds me a lot of Daniel Gafford. Uh, he's probably not quite the vertical athlete Gafford is, but he also has better feel in general, uh, especially defensively, just slightly more feel for how to twist his hips around and protect the rim. Um, and he makes okay passes as well. Uh, and then Joe Wieskamp was the other guy I really wanted to hit on. Um, he tested with a 42 inch vertical, which yeah. I, you know, take it or leave it, whatever that means. Uh, he, he doesn't play like that above the rim athlete, but you know, maybe he's got some Seattle Slav Mikhailuk in there and, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, he, I like Seattle Slav. Uh, I still believe in Svi. Uh, and Wieskamp is a good shooter, uh, uh, a solid off-ball mover with a good feel for how to cut. Uh, so, so those are two guys there. If they stay in the second round, um, maybe even a Max Abemis could could be an interesting fit. He's really small, but uh, he might be the best uh, like pure shooter in the class, like in the whole class in terms of just if you don't factor in size. If it was just you're going off pure makes. Um, but yeah, those would be the guys I, I'd be leaning towards there. In the what, what about Trey Murphy? That's a, a name that got brought up. Um, it may, was it you, Bryce, that brought up Trey Murphy? Probably. <laughs> I, I am I am the world's biggest Trey Murphy fan, I okay, think. Okay, yeah, because I hadn't really heard much about him. So it was, yeah, it was whenever you came on Motor City Hoops. So, I mean, I, I was really intrigued by that name whenever you brought it up on the show. Yeah, so he's someone who I think is going to end up going in the first round. So you'd have to move back into the first, but just a, a really good shooter with, I believe, some potential elite versatility on that shot uh, in terms of coming off movement because he has really flexible hips. And then he's such an above-the-rim athlete that I could see him being a really devastating cutter. And with someone like Cade, who I think at times in his career is going to end up being a dominant kind of mid-post player, an elite an elite cutter who can space out to that corner is, is something I could see, like already envision being super deadly um so that type of guy is a perfect fit here if you can move it back into the second or back into the first round um maybe even he could fall to the early second um you know this this draft is so flat it seems like in terms of where guys are really slotted to go um but he just that athleticism with that jump shot is 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 a recipe for a really devastating off-ball player and when you have to you know, potentially like sub heliocentric stars in Cade and then to a, to a lesser extent Killian, but I do like Killian as a pick and roll player. Um, having someone who doesn't need the ball to put up 20 points a night, that could be really, really special. And then I like Sadiq as sort of a potential fit next to him as well. You could, you, you have the makings of a really interesting, really athletic, really smart roster um so so yeah i love trey murphy i have him in my lottery personally so so here's my dream scenario bryce is your boy kai falls outside the lottery we package plumly and whatever it takes to move up and then you become a pistons fan because we draft Cade, and then we get kai at like what 17 or 18 or something like who don't doesn't oklahoma city have 16 and 18 isn't that what yeah. they're drafting mm-hmm. yep Yep. Yeah, so Weaver calls his boy Presty, <laughs> gets one of those, and we draft Kai Jones. You, you'd you be a Pistons fan, right, if we come out of the draft with Cade and Kai? Uh, y- yes. This will become a Pistons <laughs> podcast. Yeah. We'll yeah. end up being direct competition. I don't know if you want that. because all can of jump on, We can <laughs> jump on – you can jump on Motor City Hoops. You can join Anytime. the show. Come, oh, come my goodness. <laughs> I, on this team, would be wild. I mean, with Cade, like – Oh, that's a dream. That's yeah, a dream. that's. I mean, yeah. I think. Oh, we're, are you as high on Kai? Uh, yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we. Uh, <laughs> it's amazing how this worked out. When me and Bryce started this podcast, we didn't really know each other, um, but our love for Kai just bonded us immediately. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <That's... laughs> I don't. I didn't think there's anybody else out there that was as high on Kai as I was, and then I met Bryce, and it was just like a perfect pair. Um, but one, one final guy I wanted to throw out there who really doesn't fit any need that you, that you mentioned, but I just want 
called utter chaos when he goes there would be uh sandro i'll, I'll try and pronounce it <laughs> <laughs> mamu kelishvili i think i did it uh good enough but um Excellent. i always have trouble with his name but uh i think he would really be interesting in, in detroit because they have Saban Lee as their like kind of backup point guard or de facto backup point guard at this point. Uh, but having Sandra as your backup point guard, I think would be just loads of fun. Um, it'd really make that team give them a whole nother dynamic. I don't think anybody has a six foot 10 backup point guard. Um, so being able to throw that out at people, I think would be really interesting. Uh, and the Pistons are in sort of an op- uh, a place where they can experiment a little bit with that. So yeah, uh, he makes a lot of sense there for me as a guy you just take a flyer on and you know maybe maybe he becomes a, a valuable backup point guard he's like a really interesting prospect right like i mean it, it's kind of hard to figure him out yeah he's yeah. like like uh, i'm sure uh bryce Hendricks has told you about um vrenz weisenberg who's you know sort of the european version or he played in europe uh, and in a lot of ways is kind of like Sandro where he's just a six foot 10 point guard essentially. Um, and those guys just aren't very like they don't, you don't see him too often. Right. So having a guy like that, I think just gives you a whole different look uh, and his ball handling uh, Sandro's at least for how big he is. It's just, it's really, really good in, in relation to his frame and everything. So that's a guy I would like to see, um, Detroit just take a flyer on see how that pans out because I think in the right context he can be a guy who actually is valuable to your team and not as much as like a novelty type player um so I think putting him in Detroit alongside the high IQ kind of guys that are already in Detroit would make a lot of sense and um I'd like to see you know what they can do with him Stone I just want to commend you for uh (laughs) getting that for getting that last name right uh i've been working i practice error and everything (laughs) i could tell i am very proud i i spent uh, far too much time trying to pronounce names and then it's like the ones that should be easy they get me like (laughs) yeah is it eve or eves but like mamukelashvili or sviatoslav mikhailuk like those names i can do it's it's the ones that should be simple that i struggle with but uh this this has been so great, uh, Bryce. Do you have anything else you want to get out on the Pistons while you're here? Uh, uh, can I ask one question? I don't know if we're running yep. long here. Or nope, whatever. Nope, you're all good. Um, so I have a take on Hami Diallo game. So I don't know if you guys scouted him coming out of college at all, or you know, you guys are NBA guys. You know, like I. So it. I bring this up because of what you just brought up. There is. I actually have a feeling that Hami might play a little bit of that in the second unit has a little bit of that in his game. Like he's going to grab a rebound, just push the ball up the floor. He can play in pick and roll. Like when I did my season breakdown of him and for whenever he played in Oklahoma city, um, or I went back and watched some of those games, he played a little more in pick and roll. He averaged almost four assists in his time in Oklahoma city. Do you guys see any of that? Or am I like just way off here thinking that maybe he could almost play as like the initiator? I think. Oh, go ahead. Uh, so it's just, I think it's possible. He's, I don't think he's ever going to be like an above average initiator, but he is such a weird player to watch. Right. He's, he's like, what if Zion was like, like yes. shorter, but like 45 pounds lighter, 50 pounds lighter. Like he played, like, that's how he plays. Like, he, yes. Point like, homie could be real just because that athleticism is so like, so spent. I think people like, because he's not averaging like, like 80 dunks a year or something they underrate his athleticism but he is like top percentile in terms of burst in in the nba right now his Um, second jump is unreal like i said it one time when i did like a little mini breakdown and i like i was like oh shoot like i just compared him to zion with the second jump i'm gonna get (laughs) murdered for this but like it's explosive as heck Mm -hmm. no he gets up and he gets up with a lot of power and a lot of consistency um you know, I still think he's probably a little bit away as a decision maker, but you know, in the second unit, like you can't ask for like an amazing decision maker and an elite athlete and someone who can shoot. So like, just as like a pure, can he handle the ball for 20 minutes a night in the regular season and, and, and buoy a, a second unit? Yeah, I think so. You know, 
I don't like him next to Saban Lee, but if you chose one or the other, I think it would make a lot of sense. Yeah. So real quick, and I know you have something stone, but so like my theory is they would go a lineup of Frank Jackson, Josh Jackson, Hami, Sekou, and Isaiah Stewart. If Plum- So like in that, like Frank Jackson would kind of be your off ball two guard. JJ would technically be at the three and Hami would slide into the one or whatever. And Hami's a top five rebounder, non-big rebounder. Like he's a really good rebounder for a wing. So he goes and gets a ton of defensive rebounds and now he's not outletting it to anybody. He's just dribbling it up. So like, that's kind of where this all like came together in my head was I really like Frank Jackson. I think Saban Lee's another is going to be in the G league next year for a year. And so like, just to kind of get all these guys on the floor in the second unit with Josh Jackson, Hami, Frank, Sekou, et cetera. Yeah. I, I actually really like Frank Jackson. Um, he's obviously not going to be like your backup point guard. Cause he's probably not running offenses. He's yeah. like you said, more your off ball guy. Um, Diallo was someone I was actually really low on in headed into the pre-draft. Um, I'm just generally someone who really values field and IQ. And I didn't really see a whole lot of that with Hami. It was just like all raw athleticism and you hope basketball skills come along. And to his credit, they have. Um, in Oklahoma City, I think he was uh, last season or, or the first half of last season sort of forced into a higher usage role than he was used to, um, forced into being more of a guard than he was used to. Uh, and, and at points, it worked out well. I agree with Bryce. He's maybe not still quite the decision maker you'd want. Um, but I think he's, he's so athletic that he takes advantage of, you know, attacking closeouts and um, being able to maximize his athleticism is something I think he's learned along the way and gotten better and better at. Um, and he's like me and Bryce, I've talked about Keon Johnson as just like an insane athlete who has sort of a similar, uh, I think, archetype and uh i think diallo really compares like well to him just as absolutely like insane athletes as shooting guards like top five percentile in the league probably just uh, like you can't undersell their athleticism um and i think diallo provides that i'm not entirely sure i'd feel comfortable with him being my backup point guard just due to the fact that i'm still I'm still weary of how much feel he has in regards to playing that position. Um, but he's grown so much in there uh, that I think you definitely experiment with it throughout the year and get him some reps here and there with it and, and hope it develops a bit more. Yeah. I, I just kind of want to throw it out there. Like I said, I just, it, it kind of, I watched games and I was like, huh, this is kind of sneaky, maybe something that could happen. And I may be way off, but I wanted to ask you guys, cause you know, you've evaluated, evaluated him come out of college and then in the NBA. So. Yeah. No, I like, yeah. I like that idea. I just think like, I like that you're being creative about it. And you mentioned another guy there. Speaking of low field Detroit Pistons that we have uh, <laughs> much affinity for Sekou Domboya forever forever my guy that that guy i had him like back in 20 i had him like top five like or top top seven i think i think i have six like i was all in on the seku train i still believe i still believe the, still hey, i'll tell you this the last 20 30 games of the year and i won't go into the whole story but he was much much better he showed the flash not the siakam Giannis comparison flashes but like a, as a very solid player, a guy that showed he's a great cutter. Like you guys talked about off ball mover, like Cade Cunningham is going to make him look even better. In my opinion, like Sekou should be excited about this because Cade's going to make those passes in transition. Sekou's rim running hard, cutting, slashing well, and uh, to the rim looked really good in those last 20, 30 games of the year. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I don't think it's a coincidence that those last 20, 30 games, uh, yeah. a certain Killian Hayes was was a little more healthy. So Exactly, exactly. Uh, I think it definitely makes a difference. And the, the final point I'll make before we get out of here would be that we, we talk about, or we have talked about in the past, how you have to eventually start winning games, but the Pistons are going to be in their first year of having a franchise guy. So experiment a bit. I think they have they have the time to experiment, find what works, what doesn't, play Hamadou as the backup point guard, see what you have in that, and, and get funky with lineups and, and see what you have because you have at least this first year to sort of um, experiment and play with lineups. So 
I think they should try and take full advantage of that while they can. Yeah, absolutely. This has been, this has been so great. Uh, you know, I, I assumed we were going to go a long time on Cade and we did, but we also got a ton else out there. Uh, I shouldn't, I expected no less from Bryce. One of the best, uh, Still, to this day, going on your pod is one of the best podcasting experiences I've had. Vlad is great. Send him my love. Um, Bryce, tell the people where they can find you, all the work you do. It's all excellent. Uh, his breakdowns on Twitter are great. Uh, just just let the people know. Yeah, so Motor City Hoops on Twitter, Motor City Hoops on Facebook. Um, I've kind of slowed down the breakdowns here later in the playoffs. I've been working on a project with the Detroit Bad Boys where I did a season-long player review from every player on the roster, um, what they did well, what I want to see them improve going into next year. That should be dropping soon um, here in July, so be on the lookout for that. Bryce, we had a blast having you on. Vlad and I talked. I think it was, it was one of our best episodes here in the recent weeks. So I, I want to have you and Stone either on together or separate, or, you know, however it works, but definitely have you on again here before the draft or right after the draft. Um, you guys do great stuff. So I, I, I had a blast. I'm sorry if it ran long. No, um, no, no. I told you, I told you, man, like I get a little long winded sometimes, but I just love talking hoops. No, yeah. absolutely. Let's, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say this is the first pick, so <laughs> it should be the longest. Uh, <laughs> you should be able to, you know, maximize the uh, the excitement and the joy out of that. So we had a blast having you on. I, I really enjoyed it. Well, it's, all, it's also what we're here. You know, we're here to hear specific voices from people who follow specific teams. You know, it's like that's we're, we're here to learn just as much as to podcast. And that's what's so nice about you know, being kind of smaller and just getting to talk hoops a little bit is we kind of get to talk our way through this stuff. And uh, yeah, this, this was so great. Um, as always, uh, just one of the best follows at Motor City Hoops. Uh, Stone, do you want to let the people know where they can find you? Yeah, uh, you can follow me at report underscore court on Twitter. Um, all my work will be posted there. Uh, make sure you follow the podcast uh, Upside Swings. Um, and if you guys could do us a favor and leave like a five-star review and rating, it helps us out a lot and grow our podcast a bit um, and subscribe. So we thank you all for listening. Yeah. And uh, we're going to thank everyone for listening again. We're going to thank Bryce again. This was great. Um, there'll probably be a couple of days in between this and the next episode. We backlog a ton, but I am going on vacation. So I think we're just going to miss about three days. We were kind of going every day, but we'll be back. Uh, I think the next one is with, uh we're gonna talk the bucks so that'll be interesting uh we'll see that that'll be good timing that'll be just uh off uh, either winning or losing in the finals <laughs> most likely so so that'll be good timing uh this was great again thanks to bryce follow him at motor city hoops their pod is excellent you don't even have to be a pistons fan i'm not a pistons fan i listen to the pod all the time it might be a pistons fan yeah well, <laughs> <laughs> TBD, TBD, TBD. Uh, I'm at Bryce Hendrick 14 on Twitter. Uh, thanks again to everyone for listening. Uh, we've been the Upside Swings Draft Podcast. We hope we hit our ceiling. Thank you.